Jefferson Riles Chapman, Riles to those who knew him best, was a 25-year-old from Dothan, Alabama. He was a father and once worked in the family business. On December 18, 2013, a chase on Riles' father's property started when the father suspected Riles of doing drugs. Riles ran off. He was never seen again. Or was he? I'm at Denzel, and this is Unfound. are error-prone animals. We really are. Think about it this way. How many bad choices does your dog make during the course of a day? Not very many, although it may depend on how well-trained your dog is. How about your cat? Probably only a few there as well. For you farmers in the audience, your cows, your horses, your pigs, how many problems do they create for you by doing something they shouldn't. I'm imagining not very many. But some of you may say, Ed, animals really don't have to make that many choices during the course of a day, or a week, or a year. So that's the reason they don't make many errors. Well, you may be right about that, but we humans are the ones with the big brains. We are able to judge a situation with more than just our eyes, our ears, and our sense of smell. And still, we are doing wrong-headed things all the time. In fact, we've become quite philosophical about it in modern times, going to the point of saying that our flaws are what make us human. I gotta wonder if that's philosophizing or rationalizing. Well, in the disappearance of Riles Chapman, His father thought a car in his driveway was owned by one of Riles' druggy friends, who had come to see him. When confronted, Riles ran off. Then he was gone. And we're left to wonder if this disappearance really did start by mistake. And now a summary of the case. Riles Chapman was a star athlete in high school. He made it to the state championships in golf his senior year. Yet, Riles didn't continue with the sport after graduation. However, he did continue his education. In addition, Riles took a variety of jobs, even working for his father at one point. He also became a father, with one of his two children being born not long before he disappeared. However, what was unknown until it was too late was during those days of high school, Riles had developed an antidepressant medication addiction to the point that he began doctor shopping to get multiple subscriptions. This caused problems in both Riles' public and private life, culminating in him moving back to his parents' house in 2013. So on December 18, 2013, Riles was at home, living in the pool house on his parents' property. There were strict rules about what Riles could do there and who could come to see him. In the early evening... 
Riles' father, Wes, came home to find a car in the driveway. He believed it to be a vehicle owned by one of Riles' drug friends, who was not allowed at the home. Seeing this, Wes walked immediately back to the pool house to confront Riles and this other person. However, only Riles was there, and he wouldn't let Wes in. A foot chase ensued, with Riles running down the street in only his shorts. No shirt, no shoes. He was seen by a family friend about a block down the road. After that, he was never seen again. Only after the chase did Riles' father realize that the car was not owned by one of Riles' friends. Instead, it was the car of one of the other son's girlfriends. Riles Chapman's disappearance is another in which a young person is run off. However, this time, it's in the missing man's own neighborhood, and still he hasn't been found. This fact leaves many unanswered questions, but I'll narrow them to these three. Number one, what are we to make of a bag found in the pool house that seems to indicate Riles intended to leave, even without the chase? Number two, is it a coincidence that somebody called Riles' phone looking to collect on a debt? only 20 minutes after Riles ran off. And number three, are we to believe a sighting of Riles a few months later in Panama City Beach, Florida, by a woman who knew Riles from high school? Riles's family isn't sure what to think after seven years. Thus, they are open to many possibilities. The guest for this episode is Riles's father, Wes Chapman. Unfound News Despite me having to write the blog for Patreon and that I had a disc golf tournament this past weekend, the unfound newsletter got out on time. It was about 4,500 words and a good one, as usual. I hope you got it. If you didn't, please contact me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Next. I didn't find out about it until it was already done, but good friend of the program Megan Good of The Charlie Project got married on October 31st. Congratulations to her, and Unfound wishes her and her husband a lifetime of joy and love. Finally, given all the political stuff that has gone on this year and the divisiveness that goes along with it, I want to thank you, the listeners, for keeping it off of Unfound's page and out of the discussion group. Thank you. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Deezer, Facebook, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on our podcast channel for the Unfound live show. All of you can talk with me, and I can answer your questions. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. This week, I need to thank Michael. You can also contribute at PayPal, paypal.me forward slash unfoundpodcast. And do not forget the website, theunfoundpodcast.com. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the father of Jefferson Riles Chapman, Wes Chapman. Wes, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
We need to start here. Uh, we're going to refer to your son as Riles during this uh, interview, but his full name is Jefferson Riles Chapman. How did he get that name, Wes? Well, uh, it, it's not a family name. Uh, my wife came up with the name. Uh, there's no contact with anybody other than uh, she had a friend uh, whose who's son was named Riles, spelled a little differently than than our Riles, mm-hmm. he was either going to be Matthew Riles or Jefferson Riles, and he ended up with the Jefferson Riles, and my youngest son ended up with the uh, the name Matthew. So, and oh. uh, and so, it, 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 there's just no, it's not a family name. Okay, because most of the time, uh, you know, if somebody uh, is named Jeff, of course, their maybe their full name is Jeffrey. Uh, Jefferson as a first name, of course, we know a lot of people with the last name Jefferson, but. First name Jefferson, that's that's quite rare, really rare, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah there's just no, I, you know, I don't, I don't even remember so far back. Okay, that's uh, where fine. She, where she dug that up. So, all right, that's. Uh, yeah, but uh, okay. we do call him Riles. He's been Riles all his life, uh, and uh, so we've always called him Riles. Okay, and that's what we'll be referring to him uh, for this conversation. I just thought I had to ask because I thought some of the listeners – would also feel like I do. Well, that's an interesting uh, first name. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, your family as a whole. You've already mentioned that Riles has a, a younger brother, Matthew. Uh, do you have any other children besides those two sons? Uh, we do. My wife and I have uh, – he has an older brother, Wes third, and um, then he has uh, Matthew. And then later on in life, uh, about 11 years Later, after Matthew came along, we had a daughter, Mary Catherine. Wow. So, Riles is, Riles is the middle son, um, mm-hmm. and he and uh, Matthew are very close in age. Um, let's see, Riles is 32, and uh, Matthew, I believe, is 30. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're closer in age than, uh, than uh, Riles and Wes. There's a lot Three and a half years apart between wow. our oldest son and and Riles. So okay, um, and then and then your daughter eleven years later. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. So you had three boys, and then you finally got the girl in there, Wes. That's right. <laughs> so uh, Mary Catherine had basically three brothers that were like dad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, very very protective. Uh, and her and Riles are very close. Um, uh, and uh, as as her and Matthew now Wes, my oldest son was uh, he was in college or, or going off to college. Uh, so uh, even though they're close, but they were not as close as as, as mm. Riles and Mary Catherine. Right. Okay. Uh, I can understand that for sure because uh, your oldest, you know, would have been what you know seventeen or something like that when she was born. So yeah, I mean it's it's a little. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. So three boys, then a girl. Riles is, I guess, second in line overall and the second of the boys, and you said that he and Matthew very close in age. Okay, thank you for explaining all that. Great, thank you. Um, let's move on to this. Let's just talk about Riles being that he did have an older brother, younger brother. Um, were they all kind of similar? Was Riles unique in his interests, uh, hobbies, and things like that, or what maybe made him different than the other two? Yeah, um, Riles and Matthew had a lot of the same, um, a lot of same hobbies. Uh, they both like to hunt. Uh, we live in um, South Alabama, 
Uh, so there's a lot of deer hunting, turkey hunting, uh, duck hunting. And uh, so he and Matthew uh, hunted a lot. And uh, Riles also was a very good golfer. He um, golfed through high school and actually went to uh, state um, in Alabama in the high schools for golf. And um, he was very good, uh, very good golfer. He and, and Matthew both. Uh, with the state, so um, wow, yeah, uh, that's pretty good. And I what? think it's mainly because they were close in age um, that they had a lot of similar um, interests. Mm-hmm. They take that golfing from you or from their mother? No, neither one of us. I don't know really how they got into golfing, but they got me into golfing. So I oh. uh, just a way to spend more time with them. I'm not a hunter, mm-hmm. um, so uh, I took up golfing and uh, attempted. Uh, they were they were much better than their than their dad. I can tell you that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, states that sounds pretty impressive to me. I've never played ball golf, but that sounds uh, very impressive. What was the strength of his game of his golf game? You know, Riles was just a risk taker. Um, I just remember um, when we were at the state playoffs. It was uh, he and I. You know, he had gotten up to the tee box on the first tee. And it was a dog left to the left, uh, uh, to the left, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this huge uh, pine tree. And um, he looked at me and looked at that pine tree, and he looked back at me. I'm like, no, Ralph, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Well, sure enough, he tried to clear the tree. And, uh, you know, everybody in the crowd's gasping, you know, because it barely hit the top of the tr- tree, and then it bounced over the cart. Uh, the cart path, and uh, mm-hmm. and I looked at him like, okay, see that, see that, <laughs> you know, you you just need to take it easy. You're not as cocky as you think you are, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, but you know, he he was always a risk taker and stuff like that. Um, okay, you know, so he he, he and uh, and that's why it was so exciting to watch him. Wow, so the the fearlessness was the strength of his game. No, no. Uh, no conscience when it came to hitting a ball somewhere and fearing that it was going to go in a place that he didn't want it to go. That that no, helps. That helps no, in golf. He just, yeah. He just took chances. Yeah, great. You know, and then that that's what made it exciting. Okay, great. How about uh, education? Um, graduate from high school? Any college? Uh, anything like that? What can you say there? Yeah, he, gra- he graduated from the local uh, high school here, and. Um, he uh, went to the uh, local community college, um, and then um, he owned some businesses, and he went to work for me um, in Troy, Alabama, in one of my offices. And uh, then, uh, just like anything else, he wanted to try a different career, so he came back to the local community college and took a, a lineman class and graduated uh top of his class in there, um, and um, he mm-hmm. took uh, a couple of jobs, but there again, it, that didn't interest him, uh, and then, uh, let's say, he went to work for a, um, uh, a uh, satellite TV no. company, yeah. um, and um, he did that for a while, so, you know, he was just bouncing around, never really found uh his niche mm-hmm. in the workplace, what he really wanted to do. Okay. So, like, when you say satellite TV, like an installer, like going to people's houses and 
in, installing something. That's right. Like? Okay. That's right. All yeah. right. And what did he? Uh, and I, I. What did he do for you? Uh, if you can say you are into tax preparation or something, I, right? Well, I, I. Well, that's just one of my business. I'm in a consumer finance. Um, oh. Uh, business as well, and he ran. Uh, well, he he was a collector in one of my offices in, in Troy, Alabama, okay. and that's where he met uh, Chelsea. All right, uh, yeah. Chelsea was in college there. All right, we'll get into that in just a moment. So, uh, how did you two work together? I, I have to admit, I, I'm close with my father, but I don't know if we could work together. How did that work out with you two working together? Well, it was it was okay because we were um, uh, an hour and twenty minutes away from each other. Oh. Okay. He was, you know, and, and I was not his direct supervisor. You know, he had a supervisor that um, that oh. was over him. So it wasn't uh, uh, not to say that you know all of my kids at one time or another had worked for me, and just like any kids working for a family business, think they are uh, they get special treatment. You mm-hmm. know, um, if dad goes on vacation, they think they can go on vacation. That kind of stuff. Right. But that, that, I think that's normal. Um, jobs, which I don't think is unusual at all for people in their late teens, early 20s. He's going to school, uh, getting his education. Now, you did admit, uh, mention that he met uh, a young woman. Her name is Chelsea. Um, you know, we're not going to use her last name or anything here, Wes, but uh, you, you already mentioned kind of how they met. Why don't you go through that again and uh, explain uh, the relationship? Like I said, Riles was working in my office in Troy, Alabama, and she was going to school at uh, Troy University there. And um, they dated uh, a while, and you know, before we met her, um, they seemed to be crazy about each other. Um, uh, and then, you know, they would they would break the relationship off. They would get back together, break the relationship off. So, you know, it was on and off. Um, mm-hmm. uh, type of relationship for a while, and um, then she uh, got pregnant with uh, our granddaughter Sailor, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we all went to. Uh, while she was pregnant, we all went to uh, New Orleans, and uh, that's where he proposed uh, to Chelsea. Came wow. up on a, uh, um, he came up on one of those. Um, horse-drawn carriages and, mm-hmm. and proposed to her and yeah. you know so everything was um heading in their way you know uh they just the two of them were just young um and uh when they loved they loved each other strongly mm-hmm. and then but when they fought you know they they fought like uh cats and dogs you know? okay um, but uh like a lot of young couples we, not not that that's, unusual that's right that's yeah, not that's right uh, uh, and then, of course, uh, Sailor was born, and uh, let's see, she is nine now. She's born in September, mm-hmm. the middle part of September. Uh, and uh, 
So she remembers Riles, uh, everything they did. She still talks about him a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, and they did a lot together. Uh, he spent a lot of time with uh, with Taylor, um, doing things, um, riding her in the jeep, uh, uh, you know, taking her wherever he he went. She was there. So uh, they had a great relationship as well. Okay. And so, uh, were uh, did it get to a point where Riles and Chelsea were living together in an apartment or something, or did they live separately, or what was the situation? Well, they they um, they lived well in, in Troy. I, I'm assuming she had her own place. And he had his own place. But mm-hmm. later on, when they moved back to Dothan, when she finished her school, they moved back to Dothan. She moved in with her folks. He moved in with us. And then um, we have uh, a um, guest house slash pool house in uh, in our backyard, um, mm-hmm. and um, he lived there. Okay. Um, and then she moved in with him um, into the pool house, and um, then they uh, we found them a house, um, and, mm-hmm. and then they moved into the house uh, with with Sailor. Okay. Uh, because the, 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 the pool house, if you will, is just one bedroom. It's really not set up for children. Right. Um, and uh, so they, they moved into the house and everything was going wonderful. Um, and um, then uh, whether they lost their job or quit their job, uh, mm. neither one of them had a job. So it's kind of mm. rough, you know, Right. Trying to pay bills when you don't have a job. Sure. And, and mom and dad are constantly, um, you guys got to get jobs. You know, we can't pay yeah. bills. I'll deal with anybody's bills. Uh, so we ended up, um, uh, he moved back in with us. She moved back in with her folks. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, that's pretty much the way okay. it was. When uh, when he when he left. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, so what you're saying is he proposed to her, but they never did end up getting married. That's correct. All right. How long would you say uh, was between him proposing to her and him going missing? Was it a period of months or weeks or what would you say? Uh, let's see. You know, it was about probably a year, a year, okay. year and a half, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Do you think they still had plans to get married at the time of his disappearance? Oh yeah, I, I, I do. I, mm-hmm. I think that one, if you know, if Riles was here now, they would probably be married because mm-hmm. they would have both matured a lot. Uh, like I said, they were they were on again, off again, yeah. um, and and you know they had to, they just had to, needed to grow up. Right, um, and we have to remember that uh, Riles was only twenty five when he went missing, so. Yeah, these days 25 is kind of young to get married. You know, most people are waiting, you know, until late 20s or early 30s. So that's not unusual. Okay. So let's uh, move on to this. And we're not going to hit this too hard, but it, we have to talk about it because it could be a part of his disappearance. And that is, um, uh, Rouse did develop uh, a drug addiction over time. Um, how do you believe it started? Do you remember the first time when you suspected? That he was addicted. What can you say about that, Wes? Uh, yeah. Um, the first time that we, Jamie and I, um, probably knew something was going on, um, was um, 
we were we were out of town and we got a call. Uh, he was a uh, in high school, a senior in high school, and uh, we got a call uh, from my oldest son that we needed to come back. Riles had gotten busted for pot, mm. uh, and uh, him and a group of boys, you know, together. There was about seven of his running buddies there. They were all a senior in high school, and. Um, we came back and uh, they had taken him to the uh, to the local. Um, it's not the jail, but the the juvenile home, uh, our juvenile jail here in, in Dothan. And um, uh, Jamie and I went and picked him up, um, and mm -hmm. he got in the car. Of course, his, you know, his head hung low. Yeah. And um, we sat right there in the parking lot. And uh, I told him, I asked him, you know, where where he got it from. He wouldn't tell me. Um, you know, was it some of the other boys? Wouldn't tell me. You know, he he yeah. was he was very loyal to his friends. Mm -hmm. um, but it came down to where, okay, Riles, get out of the car. You go back in to the juvenile home. You stay there until you decide you want to come out here. You want to tell us where you got it. Well, eventually he did. He told us so. We went um, straight to that house, the parents' house. I went up, and knocked on the door, and I told them what happened. And um, you know, there's some just there's some parents that are just my kids are not going to do that. My kids would do that, mm -hmm. like, you know. And that's what we run into. And um, so we knew sort of where the source was, and we knew that we had approached the parents well actually the kid's mom and uh told her that you know that was unacceptable and um uh you know the next time we will be going to the police mm -hmm. and tell them so uh just trying to set the ground rules because um you know anytime you've got teenagers and a lot of the teenagers are gonna experiment they're gonna drink a little bit and 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 keep in mind you know we had an older son so, you know, we yeah. have been, nothing like this, but, you know, uh, they're going to go out to parties and, and that type of thing. So it wasn't like we were shocked. You know, I think we were uh, sort of kind of expecting that our kids would experiment just because they were normal teenagers. Mm -hmm. um, and But then again, we knew, Jamie and I knew that we would not allow it in our house, but we were going to tackle that straight straight on just like we did by going to the source yeah and um and you know and, and that curved off and then that was not really i don't think that was the early sign that you know there was drugs involved mm -hmm. uh but you know keep in mind he went off to school um he was he got on anxiety medication uh that was prescription and it, the prescriptions gradually got stronger that he was taking and they were all prescribed and then um he was supposedly on a prescription to get him off the prescription that he was on um and it and it just it went on for too long or at least we thought it was too long so uh i attempted to go talk to uh his doctors his psychiatrists his doctor, local doctor here, they would not talk with to me without Riles. Well, at this point in time, Riles did not have a job, so therefore he did not have 
the capability of paying for his prescriptions. Right. So here again, I was um, sort of the the one he come to to say, hey, look, I've got to have my medication. Well, in order for you to have your medication, you've got to take me to your doctor, and we've got to sit down and talk. Mm-hmm. And I did that. I did that. And um, it was just – I mean, it was just like it was. I don't want to say that it was a pill mill, you know. Okay. Uh, but it it they are known to just to give, you know, these young kids this medication. And uh, I thought that I had uh, the doctor realizing where we were and where we needed to be. But as it turned out, when Riles, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, actually went missing, and we started going through prescriptions and that type of thing, you know, he would have three or four prescriptions at different uh, pharmacists. Um, So um, the the doctor definitely was not doing him any uh, justice by by helping him get off um, the the prescription drugs that he was on. What was, if you can say, if you know, what was he on? Uh, And I, I... I can look that up. Mm. I do not know what it was. All right. Okay, that's totally fine. Just wanted to see. uh, But these were anti uh, anti depressants or anti stress or how would you once again how would you portray them? Uh, I would. I I think they were anti depressants. Okay. All right, like uh, Xanax or something. I'm not saying that's it, but something just so the listeners have an idea. Something like Xanax or something like that. That's correct. Okay. All right, and so he was uh, doing this. He was uh, may- maybe doctor shopping. In addition, uh, it seemed like the, the, your, the way you explain it, the doctor's just giving out uh, prescriptions like candy on Halloween. And did he ever move on to anything else besides those pres- per- uh, particular drugs, to your knowledge? Well, I, I, to my knowledge, um, other than... Uh, different ways of taking that type of medication because I guess mm-hmm. he was on I don't I don't know a lot about it but he was on it for so long that um, it it would stop working and then he mm-hmm. would uh, you know take it by other means and I and I, I I've never seen him do it I just uh, from what I've heard that's what happens okay. and that's what that's what we think happened okay. So he's doing that, and uh, if, if you can explain, you don't have to give many examples, but uh, how bad did it get with this? Uh, you know, as we talk a lot about addictions and drugs on Unfound, that is not a new topic to the listeners, but we hear a lot about, um, you know, pe- you know, missing people. Before they're missing, they start stealing things, they're lying, etc. How bad would you say that it got with Rouse? Well, Rouse, uh, back. Um Let's back up to when the pot was uh, an issue. He went to rehab mm-hmm. um, uh, just because he, he may not have needed to go re- rehab, but that's just the way we are. We, yeah. you know, we were we were trying to go real strong with that to to, to show them that you know it's just it's not acceptable. Right. Uh, but getting back, he would um, of course he would lie. Um, petty lies, if you will, mm-hmm. um, because I think that's probably a normal situation. No one's going to come out and tell you, you know, you know I'm, I'm doing drugs when um, when we ask him. Uh, but we noticed that, you know, when he when he lived with us, um, 
the, the last time, you know, he would stay awake um, for days, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and he, he, would, he would come into the main house um, at night, you know, one or two o'clock in the morning, you know, to, uh, I guess to fix something to eat um, and then go back out to, 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 you know, his bedroom. But, uh, so we noticed that he would, uh, you know, he, he just didn't sleep a lot. Well, okay. All right. So you were noticing this in him and it being that he was, uh, and we'll get to, of course, the day that he disappeared, he was living at your place at the time. Did you ever talk to him about going back to rehab or, or anything like that? And how did he react? Well, um, that is one thing he did not want to do. Okay. Um, one other time um, when, let's see, let me back up. When I went to uh, the doctor, I'm not sure if I could say the doctor's name. Yeah, we don't um, want to do that. But, yeah, please. Okay. Uh, so when we went to the, to the doctor, I had interviewed with the doctor. I got the prescription. We went to the local um, CVS to get it filled. And um, I went in to get it filled, and I came out, and he was in my car, and uh, he said, uh, okay, where's my prescription? I'm like, uh, you know, I'm taking control of it now. Mm-hmm. I will give it to you just like it says for you to have it. And he was like, no, Dad, that's not the way this is going to work. I'm like, oh, yes, it is. Mm. Well, you know, back and forth a little bit. Then he gets out of the car. And he takes off. I mean, we're in the middle of, uh, you know, a, a small city. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the first time he's actually ran away. Wow. Um, just like, you know, and, and uh, it didn't, he was probably uh, 23-ish. Okay. You know, so a couple years there. before he disappeared, yeah. a couple years. Yeah, so, um, and um, he, uh, as it turned out, I mean, he was gone for, you know, two months or so. Wow. Um, And um, he was living um, in what they call our garden district. It's it's the older section of town here Mm -hmm. in in Dothan. And uh, he was um, living from place to place. With friends, uh, you know, shacking up on the on the uh, the sofa here, or 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 sleeping on somebody's porch there, and um, when um, we finally, uh, you know, calling friends and calling friends and reaching out, um, he ended up at someone's house, crashed on the sofa. Uh, and that friend was uh, good enough to call my wife. My wife went over there, and um, he just would—he just would not go with her because mm-hmm. he was afraid um, that we would be in the rehab. Okay. Um, so he talked to talked my wife into um, this friend taking him to get his jeep um, that was at another friend's house. And uh, or get something at the other friend's house. I think it was his jeep. I don't, I don't remember what it was. Um, but um, here again, he gets down there uh, to this other friend's house and refuses to come home. Uh, mm-hmm. So she has to go down there and get him. And, uh, and 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 she had to 
uh, you know, commit or not, we wouldn't send him to rehab. Uh, or he, he would never, never come home. Um, but in that, um, he was living on the streets, basically, during that time. And um, I would go home from my office. My home office is downtown, and I would I would go uh, out out Main Street, if you will. And there was a fast food restaurant that I would always pass. And he said that every day he knew he pretty much knew my schedule, and he would show up across the road, across the street, to go to that fast food restaurant around the time that I would go to lunch hoping that I would see him. Wow. Of course, you have to keep in mind that conversation kept coming later when when Mm. things were smoothed out. He just Mm. we he just he just didn't come home and 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 when we had this conversation, Dad I really wanted to come home. That's Mm. why I did this. Um, you know, that that took some time. Um but saying all that, you know, so when when this when he left this time, it, it, it wasn't a big shock at the time. Mm, okay. Uh, so, okay. You know, because we've been wow. through before. Right. Okay. Wow, so you had a lot going on there. And I'm sure during this whole time, you and your wife just worried sick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we would ride, uh, you know, we would ride the roads um, constantly. Um you know, just just looking for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, calling his name. You know, it, it, it was bad. You know, yeah. it sounds like sick. it. It sounds like it. Absolutely, it sounds like it. it. Sounds bad. I don't have any kids, so I can't even begin to relate to this. But it, I, I, of course, we've had many other parents on who've talked about these similar circumstances, and yeah, it 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 affects them all the same way. It's just, it's horrible. Always thinking about your son or daughter, you know, being out there somewhere and knowing maybe that they're living on the streets or whatever else. I can't, I can't imagine it. Okay, so he had a lot going on, but you did say once again, though, at some point, though, he did come back, and you kind of already mentioned this when we talked about Chelsea, that he ended up, he didn't, he ended up coming back and living with at your house in what you call their pool house. And once again, maybe just remind the listeners how that happened. Um, you know, my wife went and got him and, and, and assured him we would not, if he would just come home, we would not send him to rehab. Now, it, now, uh, mm-hmm. keep in mind, he and Chelsea were on again, off again. So this yeah. would have been one of the times they were off again. Uh, okay. Because when they were together, everything seemed to be smooth. And then they would hit a bump in the road, they would break it off, and then, you know, we always knew that there were going to be, you know, some issues. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, and how do you believe? The whole th- yeah, please. Please. Well, I was going to say he was, um, after that episode, and then, you know, he gets his job with the with the uh, the satellite company, and everything's fine. You know, they're moving their house, and they, they he loses that job, and, and they can't pay their bills, so they move back, or he moves back in with us. She moves in with her mom and dad. Everything was really fine. I mean, we're we're getting um, uh, coming up around Christmas time, and two days before he left, he was putting Christmas lights on our house. Hmm. Um, so everything was real normal uh, during that time. Um, you know, we didn't suspect anything other than 
uh, always suspected, you know, but mm. he was acting normal. You know, anybody that the kid wants to help decorate for Christmas, you know, is, yeah. you know, we didn't make him, you know, he's, he's 20 some odd years old, 25 years old. Um, so, uh, right. he's, he's helping, um, do that. And, um, I mean, I, I guess, yeah. what, I guess you're, I mean, you, you know, you didn't have a job or anything. You, you couldn't have been too happy about that. But being that he's at your house, you're having interactions with him. You're seeing him every day. He's putting up Christmas lights. It sounds better, maybe, than it had been in the couple of years before that. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So you know, we we you know we were we were taking that situation and making the best of it. Um, okay. Knowing sooner or later he would hopefully find a job and um, everything would be fine. Um, okay. But actually, actually, during that time, he had a part-time job. Uh, he had already, you know, that when he when he when he moved back with us, he went to work for a local roofing company through a temp service. So that's what he was doing when he was at our house. But mm -hmm. he was acting normal um, as far as um, we didn't suspect. Um, that he was high all the time, if you will, or mm -hmm. you know, we didn't suspect that because he just didn't. He he, he would go work, and um, you know, he would come home, um, and uh, so and, and pretty much acting normal. Okay. Um, when he was at your house uh, for that time, um, before he disappeared, any shady characters? come to your house or did he know better than to allow them to even come near your property well uh that was one of the rules here again you know no no drugs and and um uh, and uh we knew some of his running buddies and we knew that they were you know bad influence and um we we would not let them at the house well um so we're at december the 18th um late afternoon um my daughter i went to pick her up from um i think it was either volleyball chili practice mm -hmm. uh from her high school and uh so we drive up and there's a car uh in our driveway that was very similar at that time when we drove up i thought it was one of his running buddies that was uh mm. had problems with drugs as well uh, so I told Mary Catherine to sit in the car, let me go back and see what's going on. Okay. Uh, so this is the start of, um, the drama. Right. Uh, and, and I, I'm not sure if I could have done it any differently, but, uh, so I, I guess. All right. So let me, uh, let me, uh, just kind of, let me allow this to set this up for listeners. So this is the day that he actually disappeared. This is the evening, December 18th, 2013. About 7.15 p.m. Okay, and you are out picking your daughter up. You're coming down the street. Of course, you have this, you you know, Rouse uh, already knows that no shady characters, as we know, all people who have done drugs or become addicts, they have those friends, and you don't want them at the house. But you kind of know just from being around your son maybe what the vehicles that these people drive. You're coming up the up, up your street. You see your driveway, and you see this car in it, and you think that it's one of these uh, guys that runs with Riles, and you think it's 
this person's car, correct? That's correct. All right, so instantly in your mind you're thinking, oh, this guy's – you know, Riles should know better, and you're – you know, thinking you're going to pull in there, you're going to go back there, and you're going to find Riles with this guy. Some doing Riles doing something that he knows he shouldn't be doing on your property. That's right. All right. I just needed one to make sure that we set that up correctly. Now, please continue. Thank you. Okay. So we drive up. Uh, I tell Mary Catherine to stay in the car, and because um, um, I knew that there was going to be. You know, some words flying here. If, mm -hmm. if if it was this kid that 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 I knew was bad news in my house. Yeah. Uh, so I go back there, and um, the pool house is set up on a uh, uh, the bedrooms on one side, and there's a door from the bedroom going into the bathroom, and there's also an exterior door for the bathroom and an exterior door for the bedroom. So I go and I try to get into the bedroom. I just you know turn the knob, and uh, the door is locked. Like, oh, my God, here we go. You know, so I'm knocking on the door. Uh, he wouldn't come to the door. And um, I'm like, Riles, let me in. I'm going to go get a, you know, get a key to get in. He wouldn't let me in, wouldn't let me in. And then um, so mm -hmm. I go into the main house, get a key, unlock the bedroom door, and... He has gone into the bathroom, locked the bathroom door, turned the shower on. You know, and in my mind, I'm like, what is going on here? Because I'm still thinking these, these mm -hmm. you know, these people are in sure. there. Now he's in the bathroom with sure. the shower on. Sure, sure. Uh, so I go and unlock the, the same key, unlock both doors. I unlock the bathroom door. Well, he had pulled the vanity drawer out where the door would not open. Uh, but I could see you know, through maybe a, an inch crack in the door from the mirror mm -hmm. that um, he was, like, gathering up stuff, you know, just, like, just gathering up stuff. And mm -hmm. um, about the time, I mean, it was second, he runs out of the bed, the, from the bathroom to the bedroom, out the bedroom door. Wow. Screaming that somebody was chasing him. Stop chasing him, and uh, mm -hmm. he was he was saying, "Stop chasing me! Quit chasing me! Quit chasing me!" Mm -hmm. And about that time, um, my youngest son Matthew drives up with his girlfriend, who is now his wife, drives up, and he's walking around the pool. So he hears all of this, and all he sees is Riles running out of the room, saying, "Quit chasing me!" So he's thinking that I'm chasing him. And I'm not even sure at this point in time what's going on. Right. Uh, so Riles runs to the um, far side of our house. There's a gate. He goes to the gate and uh, runs to the street. Um, and he realizes that Matthew's uh, girlfriend's in Matthew's car. So he is running full speed out of our yard. He gets in the front of our house, turns and looks to see Jillian, and stops and waves at her. Huh. It was very odd. Yeah. And keep in mind, all he had on, all he had on was his boxers, uh, which they look like you know gym shorts. But okay. all he had on his boxers. So in fact, Jill, you know, she she thought he was you know just running. She had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, so Riles runs down down the street, 
to the entrance of our neighborhood. And um, a passerby that's friends of the family actually saw him wow. standing at the entrance, sort of bent over. She said that it was as though he was uh, trying to catch his breath. Yeah. She didn't think anything of it, you know. Yeah. But, you know, she's just thinking he's a jogger, and, you know. He's, he's right, so she really didn't think anything of it. But that's the last time that – that's the last two people, people that saw Riles. Uh, mm-hmm. Was Jill when he stopped and waved, and uh, um, our friend that mm-hmm. um, Julie that uh, saw him standing on the side of the road. Let me uh, let me let me go back through, and then I'll ask you some questions. Now that you've explained that, thank you uh, for all of that. When you were trying to get in uh, to him, was he saying anything to you? He knew it was you. He knew it was his father who was trying to get in. He did. He knew it was me trying to get in. Well. I'm assuming he knew it was me mm-hmm. because I'm I'm calling his name. Let me in. Let me in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but he's not saying anything then, back to you. He's not saying, "Hold on a second, Dad. I'll get to the door in a second. I'm going to put some clothes on." Did he ever say anything back to you while you were trying to get in? Nothing. 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 He said nothing back to me. Huh. Nothing. Uh, uh, but I knew that he was in there. I could hear yeah. him in there. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm thinking the car out front. What are they doing in here? Yeah. You know, you know, they're doing drugs in here. Yeah. And so I was gonna get in that get in that house. Yeah. Uh or get in that room. Well as it turned out, the car belonged to Matthew's girlfriend. Jill. Very similar to Riles' friend's car. Yeah, wow. But, uh I mean that right there could have changed this whole yeah. our whole life, you know. Yeah. You know, because if the car was not parked out there, I'm not blaming anybody. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but Riles. Uh, right. But if the car had been parked out there, I would not have gone out there. It's just something that we just didn't go out there checking on Riles, you know, mm-hmm. it, unless we had a reason to. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, that's how quick our life changed. So he's not saying anything to you. You, you're at one, like you know, I, I've not looked at this or anything, but you're on one side of the building, and he goes to the other side. You go to the other side of the building where the bathroom is. He blocks that door, and then when you're on that side, he goes out the other side where you just were, out the bat. Uh, correct. And all That's the whole correct. time, he never says one word to you. The only thing that he said was, "Stop chasing me." Stop, stop chasing. chasing. Oh, stop chasing me. Okay. All right, so he runs out there. He's only in his boxer shorts. Is he in his bare feet? Is he in sandals, shoes? What was he wearing? Bare feet. Bare feet. Only thing he had on were, he had on were boxers. boxers. And was he carrying anything? He was not. I did not see him carry anything. Matthew thought that he saw him carry carrying a plastic bag, a small plastic like um uh, small, like a Walmart bag, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, just a small bag. I never saw anything, but keep in mind, I didn't see him running. All I did was hear it. Right. Uh, you know, Matthew saw him because Matthew was coming around the house. He saw him run out and run around. Wow. So wow. Uh, we don't know if he had a bag. It all happened so fast. Yeah. Matthew thought he had a bag, but um, when we got in, to his room, things were packed up. Um, Riles was a little bit extreme with uh, keeping things organized. Um, mm-hmm. You know, his he, he wanted 
you know, like all the whites with the white clothes, all the colors with the colored clothes. And I mean, he was just like on his bathroom counter, everything's lined up. I mean, he's pretty, you know, okay. exact about it. He's always been a clean freak. Uh, but we did find his phone. Okay. We did find, you know, he had his he had his vehicle out front. He could have taken, didn't take it. He, we found his wallet. Um, he had cash in his wallet. Uh, so, um, and we also found, um, you know, the pills. So we mm-hmm. just think that at this time he had gotten maybe something off the streets that caused him to think somebody was chasing him. Okay. So let, uh, let's just take it from there. So he runs down the street. He waves at Jill. Uh, doesn't say anything, I guess, to his brother, who I guess is right there. But Matthew, your other brother, your other son, sees him runs down, uh, running down the street. Rouse gets down to the end. Maybe he is out of breath. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, a friend of your family sees him and doesn't think, think much of it, and they just pass by. That is the last time any confirmed sighting of Rouse. What do you do after he runs down the street? Do you automatically go back into the pool house and, and find yeah, your things? We, is that is, is that what you do? Time, by this time, my wife has come home. So she's there, and Matthew's there, Jill's there, Mary Catherine's there. We're inside, you know, trying to figure out all of this, what's going on. Um, we go, and I, I don't know if I went out to the pool house or if Matthew went. One of us went out there to get, you know, to look around. We find his phone. We bring his phone inside, and um, probably 30 minutes or so had passed. Mm-hmm. His phone rings. Well. Wow. When his phone rings, I immediately answer the phone because it, it, you know, it showed up whose number it was on his phone, and I knew the person uh, that was calling him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I asked this person. This person had worked for me in um, in uh, my Montgomery, Alabama office um, years before this. Um, but so I knew him, and I knew, you know, that um, he was. Um, I think he's 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 better now. But at, at that time, he was uh, he was he had problems with drugs as well. Okay. Um, because uh, that's how he lost his job. But um, he and he was he was a young guy, a little bit older than Rob, a couple of years probably older than Rob. But so he was calling. So we're questioning him about you know. Riles, what what is he needing with Riles? Mm-hmm. And he said that uh, Riles was owed him twenty five dollars. He was supposed to uh, be picking it up that afternoon, and um, so you know it's real sketchy. Um, mm-hmm. So we don't know if um, he knows. He he says he doesn't know anything. He's been interviewed by. The, the friend is in, interviewed by the investigator. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I gave you the name. Yeah. He's one of the names that right. I gave you. Right. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he could shed some light on more light on that night. All right. Um, so let's so, just we're just going to use this guy's first name. It was the guy's first name was Richard. Correct. The called. That's that's correct. Yes. All right. So he calls and you pick up the phone. And in your opinion, did it sound like Richard sounded surprised? That Riles ran off. Did it seem like he knew anything about it at all? 
He says that he did not. I think he was surprised, first of all, that I picked up the phone. Sure. Uh, you okay. know, wonder what's going on. And then I start questioning him, you know, what is going, you know, mm. what's going on, you know. And uh, that's when he said that Riles owed him 25 bucks. He was supposed to meet Riles. But he was supposed to meet Riles at the end of the street. Uh, and that was kind of mm. a little bit crazy. You would think Riles would get in his and he and he in his plan original plans may have been to get in his Jeep and meet Richard because Maybe. Richard was one of the people that would not you know, he'd lost his job when he worked for me. Um mm. so he would have been one of the people that that wasn't allowed our house. Not so welcome. That could have possibly been it. But uh, it was just kind of um uh, a little too. That he's calling thirty yeah. minutes after Riles is leaving. I, I'm in, I'm inclined to agree. We're not going to get too much. We don't do many theories on the program, but uh, the fact is that he called thirty minutes after Riles ran off. Correct. All right. And uh, do you believe, given that Riles didn't have a job or anything, your opinion? Uh, do you think that Riles even had twenty five bucks to give Richard? Yeah, Riles did because he had uh, a little over two hundred dollars in his wallet. Okay. He had a job. He had a job that he had quit. Um, either unknowing to us, either that day or the day before. Uh, so hmm. he went when it was a it was uh, worked for a temporary agency, and so they would pay them. You know, if it's their last day, they would write them a check mm. then and there mm-hmm. and cash the check for them then and there. So he had he had upwards of uh, over $200 in his wallet. And so that leads me to believe that he may have been planning on leaving. All right, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Okay, we'll get into that. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. All right, so – all right, so he runs off. You go back in there. You do find these pills. Uh, how many pills would you say were in there? A uh, hundred? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, maybe ten or so. Right, I so don't, you know, I don't know the number. I just okay. know that he was he was um, mm-hmm. he was back doing what he, he he should not have been doing. Okay. All right. And we'll get into some of the other things you found here uh, in a bit, in- including his work stuff. But he is gone for, you know, he, of course he's still missing. Um, what are your thoughts? He doesn't come back that night. He doesn't come back the next day. Um, um, what we're going through, your thoughts, if you can talk, speak for your wife, what were her thoughts? Um, well, it was, you know, yeah, it was the same thing as the first time he left. You know, we – we called all the friends that we knew, told them, you know, to be on the lookout, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so he had done this before, um, you know, and at this point all of us are mad, um, yeah. you know, scared, mad. We're, we're around Christmas. He's got a daughter. You know, he's got a son. You know, why why is he doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, – it really, I think when it hit Christmas and he didn't come home mm-hmm. is when it really, we knew that there was, there were issues. And, um, you know, I, we got a lot of uh, grief about, you know, why didn't you report him, you know, the day or the day after or the yeah. next day that he was missing. Well, yeah, hindsight, yeah. he should have. Right. But he was 25 years old. He was an adult. He had done this before, and 
stayed gone, you know, a month, month and a half, whatever. Um, so, you know, we were, we were more like, more like, you know, why is he doing this to the family right now? Right. You know, here it is, Christmas. Right. He's got a daughter. He's got a son, which was so young because he was not even a year old. Mm-hmm. Um, his son was born, um, September the 29th. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, he was just baby, but, um, yeah. Saying all that, um, we were more in that mindset until you know it got Christmas came um, and and went and then we got the Dothan Police Department involved and um, searches. You know we started uh, organized searches, um, yeah. helicopter you know searches of the of the area, um, the uh, ABI. Uh, was, were involved. They brought uh, cadaver dogs, you know. Um, so it, it was it was a lot of people involved in search um, after the first of the year. Okay. Um, it was a rainy. It was rainy uh, season that year. So um, yeah, you know, hindsight. Yeah. It's easy right. to, and Wes, you're exactly right. It's easy to say now, seven years later. Well, maybe we should have taken this seriously, but like you said, he'd done this before. Maybe not the exact circumstances with you chasing him, but he'd gone off and you know and quote unquote disappeared for a month, month and a half before. So uh, I can understand your reaction. I, I don't, I don't think it's odd at all, even from me who is who have covered you know 200 disappearances now. I, I can see certainly see your side of it, the way you were looking at it, you know, late that year, early into the next year, uh, certainly. Certainly. But once again, I can also understand, you know, hindsight being 2020. Now, you have, um, and so the police get involved. They do any searches. Did you even, you know, know where to look? I mean, you said that you called some of his friends, and I guess the understanding is none of these friends saw him at all or were willing to no, admit to it. No, none of them were, none of them were willing to um say if they had or not, but mm-hmm. um, uh, just like before, none of them were willing, you know, mm-hmm. to, to tell us anything until that one friend came and, and came up and told my wife or called my right, wife. Right, the time before uh, that. Riles was passed out. But, um, yeah, so, um, you know, we're, uh, at, at this point, you know, the news media is involved, the local news media, you know, we're putting up billboards. Um, we're having organized searches where, you know, 50 or so people, 50, 75 people are showing up, putting up flyers around our town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, the, the helicopter searches of the area, um, horseback, uh, crew come in and, and we're riding, uh, you know, through the woods and stuff. Um, so it was, it was a pretty intensive Extensive search um, of yeah. of, of those in the in the surrounding areas. Now we also have to remember something. I, I know a lot of people maybe are going to think, well, this is Alabama. It's December. Alabama gets cold, right? Yeah, it gets yeah. cold, it, and it so was, what was the temperature? Yeah, you know, that night that yeah. he left was probably uh, it was probably fifty degrees that night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, during the day it was okay, but it, you know because. We had a lot of rain during that time, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was it, you know he would it would be chilly at night, right? So he's running off just in his shorts, and it's going to be fifty degrees that night. 
You know that that does you know unless he does find shelter at one of his friends' house or gets clothes or something. I mean that's going to be one chilly night. Right. You know it's going to yeah. be uh you know 50 degrees doesn't sound cold until you're just wearing shorts. So okay, right. so we we have to put we have to certainly put that into the mix as well. He's running off with shorts and it's going to be 50 degrees and you know in a couple hours. Okay, so. Uh, you've kind of already mentioned this, but let's go over this again. You search the pool house. You find this bag with clothes in it, uh, and, of course, you learn that he quit this job. What do you make of the clothes being in this bag? Well, it definitely looks like if someone was going somewhere. Um, then uh, there was a – or is a uh, poetry bag that we've yet to find that we knew he had. So whether he um, came back that night, and the reason why I say um, he might have come back that night after we uh, were in bed mm -hmm. um, is because my tire in my on my vehicle on the passenger side, back passenger side, was cut. Wow. So whether it was, you know, whether it was one of his friends, or he would, or or, or Riles come back, you know, mm -hmm. trying to get some sort of revenge for whatever reason. Wow. Um, being uh, being mad, but it was not cut all the way through. And I'm not saying, you know, I could have run a curve. You know, mm -hmm. I just know that it was not flat, but it was definitely a cut, a straight cut. Uh, in my back tire. Uh, oh. So whether he come back and got, um, you know, we had his phone, so he, he, he didn't have access to that, um, and and we would have had his wallet. But it, um, that would have been the only thing that we cannot find is a toiletry bag. So, toiletry um, bag, okay. Then, so, uh, you know, whether he came back or not, I don't know mm. whether that toiletry bag was, you know, left somewhere at an earlier date. I don't know. Um, it just looked like he was planning on going somewhere. Okay, maybe we could – once again, we don't like to speculate too much, but maybe it was a situation where he was planning to leave and you just kind of caught him in the process of that and he didn't want you to know. Maybe. Maybe, maybe yes. that day. Okay. That's kind, of, that's kind of what I would like to believe. Okay. Now, as far as you possibly believing that he came back, I mean, where was the pool house locked? Would he have had a key? Did he run off with the keys? Would he have known where there was well, an extra key? A, we, we left it unlocked. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a privacy fence around, you know, our backyard. Mm -hmm. um, so he could have opened the gate, went in, and, and, and went into the um, – into the pool house. Okay. Um, you know, he, he didn't get his backpack. He didn't get anything that we could have noticed. Like I said, other than, and I don't even know if the bag was not there the day he left. He, you know, he could have left that at a friend's house or, or mm. somewhere. But that's just something we knew that he had that we could not find. Okay. So it is possible then you, you didn't lock it up after he ran off. It was still unlocked. So he could have come back and got in there fairly easily. Right, yes. Okay. And when you say that you saw this bag with clothes in it, how many clothes would you say were in it? A week's worth? A couple days' worth? Or what would you say? 
there were there were quite a a large amount of clothes. I mean, wow. it was a. It, it actually had. It, he did not even use a suitcase or a backpack. He mm-hmm. had them in a trash bag. Oh. Um. So like a white, uh, normal kitchen trash bag. Mm-hmm. That's what he had his clothes in. There were, I think, there were two of those. And okay. you know, they were halfway full. Wow. Okay, I, I would have to say that it maybe does sound like, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are going to believe that maybe he had a plan to take off, especially since uh, you found out that he had quit his job the day before. Um, let's talk about that uh, a little bit. Um, did the person or his supervisor, anybody say, the, did he give a reason? Did you ever hear a reason that he quit his job? Well, from what we understand, um at first, we thought he was working directly for this roofing company. It's a, it's a huge roofing company here in Dothan. Um, but as it turned out, after all this came out, he was working for a temporary agency uh, for this roofing company. And he was working on the roof at Farley Nuclear Plant. And those days, uh, I know it was in December, but the days were hot. And he got too hot and got sick a couple of days before, as we learned, we didn't know this at the time, mm-hmm. and um, so the ne- the day before he quit, he got he got sick on top of this roof, got too hot, and um, then the next day, um, he, he was, uh, for some reason, he was not on his Jeep, a worker friend of his. And he was in a small, I don't know if it was a small Datsun pickup truck, but it was an older small pickup truck, uh, took him to get his check, and um, and he got he got his check, and they actually cashed it there at the temporary agency mm-hmm. for him, which I thought was a little odd, but um, so he had cash, and this guy actually brought him home that day. Riles' Jeep, he, he he did not drive his Jeep to work. They, it, the following nuclear plant is probably 25 miles or so, so they carpooled. And mm-hmm. he was with this guy. Um, and mm-hmm. we do not... And that guy was questioned early on, um, but, you know, he was just, I think, as it turned out, an innocent type of situation where he was just Giving Riles, it was Riles, his turn to drive. He's mm-hmm. giving Riles a ride. And uh, so, what uh, you're saying is this guy never gave any insight into why Riles decided to quit. No. All right. Was it a surprise to uh, once again your impression? Was it a surprise to this guy that Riles was quitting? I don't. I can't answer that because I didn't personally talk to him. Okay. The investigator talked to him. Uh, so. I, I, I can't tell you. I know it was a surprise for us. Mm-hmm. You know, whether Riles quit or lost his job, um, yeah. we, you know, the word we got is he quit and uh, he picked up his check at lunch that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, we did not even realize he had been sick the day before um, and actually threw up. Um, he, he got to so hot during the day, and it, and it was in December. Keep in mind, but the nights were cool in the days. Yeah. You know, if you're sitting, on, you're working on a roof, I guess it gets pretty hot. Okay. 
All right, so we have all this information. It maybe seems like he was going to leave anyway, uh, maybe. Um, but maybe you, you know, um, once again, due to a mistake, a misinterpretation of whose car was in the driveway, uh, kind of put him on the spot, um, you know, earlier than maybe he, he thought you and he were going to have an encounter, possible. Um, you well, Let's talk about Richard again. You said that he called on that day saying that, um, Rouse owed him 25 bucks. Did you ever talk to Richard after that? Or is that 2013 the last time you ever spoke to him regarding anything? That's the last time that I spoke with him. Uh, mm -hmm. and it was probably somewhere, uh, somewhere around eight o'clock that night, about mm -hmm. 30 minutes after Riles had left. So we immediately thought, you know, this is what's going on. Richard's picking Riles up. Um, now, the investigators have questioned Richard several times, mm -hmm. um, and uh, but I have not talked to him. That was the only time I spoke with Richard. Okay. All right, so he's been questioned. Uh, of course, it seems nothing uh, has come of that. Do you even know if Richard ever even offered up a theory to the police as to what could have happened to Rouse? I don't. I'm hoping that Richard will um, answer your call and give us some insight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's, um, you know what he thinks. Happened. I hope that can happen. And listeners should know we're doing this ep uh, this interview on October twenty seventh, twenty twenty, and I anticipate this episode will come out on November fourth. So I do have some time here to try to reach um, not just him, but some other people uh, that um, you know might be helpful in giving some more insight. And if I have reached those people, I will tell all of the listeners what they have said uh, after this interview is completed in this episode. Okay. Let's move on to this. Um, his phone. Of course, we know that Richard called the phone. Did anybody else call the phone that no day or any texts, anything? No one else called the phone. Uh, then, uh, of course, we turned the phone over to the investigators, and um, they had to get a court order to go through the phone. And mm -hmm. um, that's how they got names of people to talk to. Uh, but it was nothing in there that gave them any indication that Riles was planning on leaving or who he left with. Um, so, you know, um, I, there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, just texts between him and Chelsea, uh, try, them trying to work their, their, their situation out. Uh, but uh, nothing that would throw a red flag that somebody actually knew what was going on or that this was going to happen. And if you were able to look at his phone or look at his records, do you even know, the uh, besides Chelsea, of course, anybody else that he talked to or texted with on the day of his disappearance? Any names I that come to mind? I have, I have not looked at those records. The uh, detective still has all those records. Okay. Um, so I, I do not know. I have his phone now. You still have it. Um, wow. Okay. I, I, well, they gave, they gave it back to me. Uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. so um, saying all that, they they went through the phone and they did not see anything that alarmed them of uh, that uh, that could give us any um, evidence of or indication of what was happening or what happened to Riles. Okay. Uh, social media, Facebook, did Riles have a Facebook page, any activity there, 
any people talking about uh, anything regarding Rouse uh, back in 2013 into 2014? Rouse does still have a Facebook page, um, and we have also set up a Find Rouse Facebook page that we uh, put everything we know on there, and people give us suggestions um, on you know, what we could do, but uh, no activity on his Facebook page after that date. All right. And we have to remember, uh, he didn't have his phone, so if he was going to access his Facebook account, he would have had to have gone to a computer or somehow got a, a, a new phone and logged in somehow. So that maybe makes sense. Okay, so no social media uh, activity on his account after that uh, date. Um, the other reason we bring it up is sometimes when people disappear, other people take over that account, of course, pretending to be the missing person, of course, usually for nefarious reasons. But nothing like that happened in Rouse's um, case. No. Okay. Uh, you know, we've had people posting to it, asking him where he's at, mm-hmm. you know, come home, that type of thing. But nothing, uh, no activity from Rouse. But he was not a a big social media guy anyway. You know, he had one, but he he, he didn't post a lot. Okay. All right, let's uh, move on to this. Now, there is – I'm not going to name his last name, but um, there's a guy, Chris. Uh, Who is he, and what did he say, and when did he say it? Um, Well, I have not – Spoken to Chris, we've attempted to spoke, speak with Chris. The the investigators have spoken with him several times and um, polygraphed him. Uh, but we have reason to believe that he knows something about what where Riles is or what happened to Riles mm-hmm. um, be, because we've had several people. Um, uh, call us uh, through uh, Riles, Find Riles' Facebook page, Find Riles, um, and mm-hmm. tell us that we need to talk to him. Um, he knows what's happened to Riles. Um, but these people that have been contacting us like that um, have been people that are incarcerated. No. So... We feel like that it and, – and, and Chris as well is in and out of jail. So the investigators think it could possibly be a situation where he could know Riles because he knew Riles. He knew Riles. He, he could know something about Riles. But the the stories we get are all hearsay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they heard Chris say that this happened around this area, but we could never tie it down, and when Chris has been questioned, he doesn't know anything. So I don't know if it's a situation where Chris is getting in jail and 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 talking, uh, you know, bragging about that right. that Chapman boy uh, just to make him himself look better. Yeah, that happens. Um, and then somebody overhears him in jail. They go to, um, you know, a family member and tell a family member this. Outside of the jail, the family member tries to contact us. We put them in touch with the investigator, and it turns out that they're trying to get their sentence or trying to get an upper hand 
to get out because in our in our town this is this was a big deal. Um, yeah. Our uh, the police department, Houston County Sheriff's Department, have spent it, it's probably the biggest um, investigation for missing persons that that they have they mm-hmm. that they've ever had. Um, you know, the mayor was involved um, by offering up um, matching the uh, reward money. Um, so, you know, it, it's a pretty big deal. Um, I, you know, we, we got it out and, you know, early on, we didn't know what the best way to go about it, whether to publicize it, um, and, and he see it and, and, and sort of get embarrassed and, and get mad at us for doing it. But we didn't have another choice. We, the only choice we had was to try to find him. And the, mm. when we knew we couldn't find him on our own. We had to get the community involved, and the community got involved in a big way. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, billboards going up everywhere. Um, the the searches, organized searches on on the local uh, TV stations. Um, the uh, the commission meetings. You know, we've gone and and pleaded. Uh, um, you know, just anything we can do sure. to try to keep the word out there uh, to try to get our son back. I, I want to go back to Chris for a second. I mean, did Rouse and Chris know each other? They did know each other. They yes. did. Okay. All I right. Did not know, I don't, to my knowledge, I did not know Chris, and mm-hmm. I did not know they knew each other until after, after. Um, all of this happened. One of the names that I gave you were mutual friends of Rouse yeah. and Chris. And so hopefully um, he can shed some light on that as well. He can tell you what kind of person you know Chris is. Okay. And maybe from that we can see if Chris Chris is actually you know all talk or does Chris really know something? Okay, I'll do my best to fire that out. But just for the record, though, this isn't some stranger that's saying all this. This is somebody that that knew Chris or knew Riles and Riles knew Chris. Correct. Yes. Okay. And he's saying, you know, some things about Rouse's disappearance, maybe uh, taking credit for Rouse's disappearance, uh, kind of. Yes. Okay. All right, we'll move on. Let's talk about some sightings. I think maybe I, I probably will be doing at least a short uh, YouTube video to explain the area where you live and where Rouse ran off. But we you've already talked about how a friend of your family uh, saw Rouse that evening, you know, at the edge, I guess, of your neighborhood after he had run off, uh, leaning over, maybe out of breath, I mean, which could make sense. Um, this is a uh, suburb, a populated area. I mean, what are the odds that he could leave there just wearing shorts and nobody else, you know, say that they saw Rouse that evening? What do you, what do you think about that? Maybe you need to explain the area a little bit for the listeners. Well, the area is a neighborhood uh, outside of Dothan, um, probably uh, maybe five, six miles out of Dothan. And the neighborhood entrance uh, is um, intersects with uh, uh, Highway 84, which is a four-lane going out of Dothan to Enterprise, Alabama, going west. So it and at that time it would have been busy, just people getting off work. Um, it, it's busy anyway, but uh, you know there would have been a lot of traffic back and forth. So it's it was not where 
a situation where no one I mean he could have got he could have been walking down the road and no one saw it. Someone would have seen him because it would have been mm-hmm. that busy. So what do you think about that? You live I of course I don't think I've ever been to Dothan, Alabama, but you live there. What do you think uh about that that nobody else besides this friend of the family ever came forward to say that anybody saw him? What do you think? Well, we think we think that he was picked up at the entrance. Okay. We think that one, you know, somehow, you know, whether it was planned, you know, um or he, keep in mind, Ross didn't have any way of communicating that right. we knew, know of. Right. You know, whether he had another phone hidden somewhere, we don't know. Right. Uh, but um, someone would have had to have picked him up at the entrance. Keep it in okay. mind now, uh, it wasn't 15 minutes past the time he ran off, my wife showed up. So yeah. she would have turned into the neighborhood and, you know, driven back. You know, we were back in the in the back part of the neighborhood. So, you know, whether he could, he, I guess he could have been hiding behind trees and stuff like that. But I, I don't, for me, with him thinking someone's chasing him and he was all jacked up mm-hmm. uh, on whatever he was on, to me, I'm not sure I believe that he would have the, you know, the, the mental state to be hiding behind a tree. I, I don't know that. You know, I just... I'm just saying, you know, mm-hmm. here comes the car. I guess if you think somebody's chasing him, maybe. I, I, I just don't know. But she would have seen him. Uh, she come along, you know, 15 minutes or so after he left. She would have seen him right. at the entrance. So we feel like, we feel certain that someone picked him up. Okay. Who that is, someone is, we don't know. Are there, uh, once again, I'll, I'll be looking at the satellite maps for this, but uh, are there woods there? Uh, could he have run oh, off yeah. into the, the woods or something like that? Is that possible? Yeah, that that's very possible. There's woods all around. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, um, we got later on, we got a lead where uh, a cadaver dog um, had found, I guess, thought that the cadaver dog found something, and, and it was uh, – it was a, a creek runs by our neighborhood, and it was on the other side of the creek. And and they brought in um, front end loaders or, or some kind of diggers, and 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 were and were and were digging all around. Uh, it was late at night. It was horrible, you know, sit, us sitting there waiting, wondering if our son was buried out there. But as it turned out, it, it was not. It was not anything. It was. Um, uh, they tell us it was. It was somewhere. You know, we live in a rural area where a lot of hunters hunt things and, and, and clean the carcasses. And, uh, uh, so uh, it, it, it turned out not to be um, a human remains. Uh, but I just, so there's a lot of woods around, and that's why the helicopters were, were involved and the dogs were involved early on. And uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, he could have been hiding in the woods. Um, you know, he would have he would have gotten very cold that night. Right. You know. Um, yeah. You know, just there, unless he had clothes somewhere. Um, but um, as it goes on, uh, you know, I volunteer at the at the um, local um, homeless shelter here a lot now, and um, you know, just trying to get the word out. You know, yeah. you know, especially early on. And you know, Ross is 
such an average looking at that time, 25 year old, you know, we would get so many sightings, so many calls, you know, that he's walking down the road or he's here mm. or he's there. And uh, it would always be after the fact. It wouldn't be, hey, I'm standing here looking at him. I'm, I'm talking to him type thing. It would be, uh, you know, three hours later, four hours later, the next day, hey, we, we, we think we saw him at the local dairy clean. We think we saw him here. Um, saying all that, we, you know, there's been those kind of sightings, but nothing that we could tie down. Okay. And um, spring break of that of, of 2014, yes. so Marchish, um, uh, we get a call from a, a friend of mine. Um, it's kind of strung out here. A friend of mine goes down to Panama City to have dinner with his son and his son's girlfriend. Okay, so they're sitting around the in the restaurant eating dinner. And they get to talking about a missing person that was just found, but this missing person was in Panama City. And our friend, his name is Wes, uh, as well. So my huh. friend Wes, the dad, says, gosh, I hope that's the Chapman kid. And it spurs up a conversation because Wes's son's girlfriend you have her name as well, yes. Casey. We'll use her first name. Uh, did not know Riles was missing. She was working at the local um, uh, Club La Vila down there um, as a waitress um, during spring break. And sees Riles on the beach. Well, Riles comes up to her. And they graduated together, uh, graduated high school together. So she knew Riles, and she, um, her and Riles talk, and then when Riles leaves, Riles says, whatever you do, don't tell my mom and dad. Huh. You saw me. So, saying all that, Wes, our friend Wes, calls me the next day and says, hey, look, this has just happened. I thought you need to know. So, um... Casey has been questioned, and, um, you know, she doesn't know any more than she saw Riles. Um, what did they talk and, about? Uh, Do you even know? You know I, don't, I don't I don't know. You know, just, mm. I guess, just small talk, you know, about, you know, how's everything mm. going, that type of thing. You've never personally spoken to her? I have not. The investigator has spoken with her. I have not spoken with her. Okay. All right, so this is uh, roughly, let's just say, four months later, uh, one, two, maybe three months later. Spring break, Panama City, uh, Panama City. I'm a little bit familiar with that area, and of course, uh, that's not too far away from Alabama. And she's working there, and all of a sudden, Riles is there. He comes up to her, and they talk, and she's not even aware that he's missing at that point. That's correct. She's not aware that he's missing mm -hmm. until my friend Wes, you know, they're eating dinner in yeah. a restaurant there, and he tells her. And that's that's why she was so surprised, you know. Wow. He's not missing. I just talked to him in spring break, you know. So okay. Do you, all right. We feel like he was, we feel like he was um, alive then. I mean, I still feel like he's alive, but, you know, we feel like 
he's uh, and early on we didn't let that get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, investigators knew just because of questioning people. Yeah, you know, because we heard some pretty horrific stories of Riles got picked up. He went to Birmingham on a you know drug run and he overdosed and this and that and this. And so as far as the timeline, you know, we kind of. Uh, the investigator kind of had that in his back pocket, if you will, uh, so we would know if people are. We just got, we kind of get the feeling, or got the feeling that every time we closed, out, and it was just like people, whoever Rouse was involved in, we had, didn't want us to find out, so some crazy thing would, like that would come up. Mm-hmm. To, uh, I guess to. Slow, maybe they thought it would slow us down from looking for our son, but you know, here it is, seven years later. Uh, yeah. You know, we're still, uh, you know, we just did a, a TV interview uh, not too long ago, uh, local TV station, and it's posted on Fine Rise. Yeah, I've seen it, and you're welcome to go through that. Um, I will truly so, link to uh, it. You know, we won't give up. Is is the point I'm making? Um, Regardless of all these crazy stories, we want our son back, um, or mm. at least want to know what's going on. And if he doesn't want to come back, we understand. You know, he's an adult. Adults make their decision, but mm. he owes it to his mother. He owes it to his two children um, and his brothers and sisters. Um, and he owes it to Chelsea. Chelsea's still hanging on. Right. Um, you know, so. Uh, uh, you know, he's, it's it's uprooted our lives for all these years, but we won't give up until we know either what happened to Riles or where Riles is. I do need to ask you a little bit more about this Panama City uh, sighting, uh, Wes. Did she? Did this uh, young woman say uh, what they? So they don't know. We don't know what they talked about. Did she say, even say how he looked? Did he look healthy or anything no, like that? Do you know? She did say that, um, and now this is secondhand information that I yeah. got. She said that he was very skinny, and he was with um, a, a, another guy that was very skinny that had a lot of tattoos and a girl that had a lot of tattoos. Well, um, Riles had tattoos, and one of the guys that she described was one of the guys that does Riles' tattoos, or, or did some of Riles' tattoos. Hmm. Um, but that guy, he's been questioned, he's been polygraphed, he's uh, was in prison. Uh, I don't know if he is now or not. Um, but uh, the actual uh, investigator, he was in prison in, in North Alabama, and they took a, uh, a polygrapher and, and, and went up there and, and polygraphed. Uh, you know, you know, asked interviews him um, as well. So, um, you know, whether they had anything to do with it, I, I, I just don't know. You know, I just don't know. Yeah, I would certainly like to, you know, I think uh, if I can just say this publicly, I think you just need to find out a little bit more about this conversation. I, I would love, of course, to talk to this young woman myself to see, what was the what was the content of the conversation? How long was the conversation? Did these other people that were with Rouse say anything? You know, we need we just need a little more context, I think, to this. I, I'm not saying I doubt it, you know, the sighting, but without context, you know, like 
when I mean context, I mean the way we usually have conversations with people. And so, yeah, you know, oh, Rouse, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? What are you doing down here? You know, things like that. You know, the small talk that we make with people. Uh, I, I'd certainly like to know a little bit more about that. And you probably uh, should probably labor to try to find that out for yourself, even if it is, you know, seven years later. Um, you know, maybe try to figure out a little bit more. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be maybe a little suspicious of this sighting, um, but adding context to it could actually, you know, help make it a little bit more solid. I think that's what I'm saying. So, gotcha. you know, uh, so maybe I'll get to talk to her at some point, and I, I would certainly give you my opinion of it if she's willing to talk. Okay, so we have this sighting uh, a few months later. It's by somebody who graduated with Rouse. Uh That sounds like a positive development, but nothing uh, after that. And it does seem that uh, this young woman, even though Rouse told her not to tell her parents, it seems like she told people anyway and eventually got back to you. Okay. Um, of course, it's been uh, seven years. Over, uh, going to be seven years in December. And uh, how have your other children reacted to this, Wes? How have they reacted to it? Well, just just like just like all of us, you know, anytime um, someone reaches out, you know, they're they're hopeful. Um, those those leads are few and far between now. Um, yeah. You know what we hear now are, are is the is the absolute horror stories um uh and and we normally do not hear those until we get very active on find Riles's facebook page you know we start posting stuff yeah. um then we start hearing you know and uh but the, the people we hear did not have any details and i always i always put them in touch with the investigator uh, call the investigator, ask you know, uh, ask them to talk to them. Uh, just because if I'm talking to someone that knows what happened to my son or where my son is, and it gets in a situation where I get more emotional, uh, I'd rather somebody be able to ask all the right questions. And um, you know, so the investigator um, has been on it. Uh, you know, they, they, we've changed investigators over the years, but Curtis has been on it now for, um, gosh, I guess three years or so, three or four years. Mm -hmm. um, so um, anyway, they, they're all in the same – we're all in the same boat together. Um, you know, we want him back. Um, we want to know what happened and uh, for his kids' sake, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you did mention um, the Facebook page before. Why don't you mention it again right now, Wes? Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, uh, Find Riles, Find Riles Chapman, um, and um, it gives the uh, phone number, contact phone numbers there, um, and you could uh, direct message me um, through that if if you know if you have any information or suggestions. Um, and uh, we try to, at this point, you know, we uh, basically put holiday pictures of his kids. 
hoping that if Riles is out there and he sees, uh, you know, his kids growing up, that sooner or later, you know, maybe it'll tug at his heart and want to come home. And so that's really all we have at this point um, to put on his Facebook page or, or, you know, pictures of his kids and and what's happening in their lives. Um, So it becomes a... uh, a family album, if you will, yeah. for his kids, just just to just to um, just let him know that they're okay and uh, they're being taken care of. Okay, why don't you say that uh, Facebook page one more time, Wes? Please. It's find F I N D Riles R Y L E S Chapman C H A P M A N. Okay. Wes, any final uh, words before we complete this interview? The only thing is if anyone um, in around Oakland saw him that night, regardless of, you know, how little information you may have, it may help us put the puzzle together. Um, we will not give up if Rouse is watching this, you know, call someone, you know. Uh, he, he doesn't... If he doesn't want to come home, that's fine. He's an adult. He don't have to come home. But at least let someone know that he's okay. Um, if Rouse has been hurt or if Rouse has been uh, even worse, um, you know, we need to know that. We need um, to bring closure so we know how to approach this with his kids. They ask questions, especially his daughter. Uh, she thinks he's in the woods somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, she's nine years old, still ask questions about him. Um, so we need to know how to approach, you know, this with the children. As they get older, they're going to have more questions. We don't have the answers. So um, that's why I'm on this podcast, yeah. um, doing everything I can to keep the word, keep Riles' name out there. And if there's anybody that knows anything, uh, they can they can reach me through his Facebook page, I'm Riles Chapman's Facebook page. Message me there. They can call. There's there's the um, the investigators' numbers on that page. Um, they can call him or message him or call the Dothan Police Department. Um, any little thing will help. Thank you for all of that, Wes. And I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thanks, Dad. I appreciate your help. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Wes Chapman, father of Jefferson Riles Chapman. I thank him for joining me and all of you on the program. I tried to contact at least three people mentioned during this interview, either through calling them or sending messages on Facebook. None of them ever got back to me, even though I tried several times. What does that mean? I'm not sure. As I stated during the interview, I made a video supplement for this disappearance that you can find on the Unfound podcast channel on YouTube. In the video, I diagram where Wes lived at the time. I show the approximate location of where the friend saw Riles down the block, and I analyzed the surrounding area and where Riles could have gone. And where Riles went is a good question. In fact, it's the most important question, no matter what disappearance we discuss 
However, with Rouse, unlike most of the other cases we've covered, we have an eyewitness who actually knew Riles well, who claims to have seen him in Panama City Beach for months after Riles ran from Wes's home. So when we ask where did Riles go, is the answer Florida. Now, you know me. I rarely take eyewitness accounts seriously, for very good reasons. And the further the sighting is from the disappearance date, the less reliable it is. However, there are three reasons why a different attitude might be warranted this time. Number one, according to Wes, Riles had quit his job the day before going missing, with no explanation, and Riles hadn't told anyone about it. Number two, Riles left behind a bag with clothes in it, which could indicate Riles planned to go somewhere. And given that Riles quit his job, we could infer Riles planned to leave for a while, if not forever. And number three, the woman who allegedly saw Riles knew him. This wasn't a stranger just happening to recognize another stranger, like Renee Lamana's disappearance, for example. This lends more credibility to her, although the percentages are still far from 100%. Yet, when you combine all three points, all situations that are totally separate from each other, I think it is reasonable to believe Riles really did plan to go away, no matter if the confrontation with his father happened or not. In fact, we could interpret the data in such a way to believe that the confrontation only hastened Riles leaving and did not cause it. Yet the question still remains, where is Riles if the Panama City Beach sighting is true? then where did Riles go after that? And this is where we must look at the flip side. Since Riles had an addiction and he was doctor shopping, could he have stayed out of jail for the last seven years? Because Riles has no criminal record since 2013. Or maybe he got a new identity. Or maybe some police clerks have simply made some mistakes. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Densel, and you've been listening to Unfound.